You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. Hi everyone, my name is Frank Rock and welcome to the From the Hack Curling Podcast. This episode is part one of our yearly briar preview. In part one, you will hear from a veteran third who went back home to play with one of the best young curlers in the world. We will also chat with a young man who stepped into the spot left open by our first guest and is now playing third for a four-time briar champion. Our third guest has just qualified for his first briar where he hopes to hear many moose calls during his games. And our final guest this week is a young man who plays in the shadow of the current Canadian champions, but is excited to be heading to his second straight national championship. Hello everyone, thank you for joining me this week. Once again, my name is Frank Rock. My first guest in part one of our Briar preview is BJ Newfeld, who split up with Kevin Cooey at the end of the last Olympic cycle and returned to Manitoba where he joined forces with Matt Dunstone, who has established himself over the past few seasons as one of the better young skips in the world. BG, when I first started the From the Hack podcast some eight and a half years ago, uh, one of the bigger stories on tour was how you and your then teammates on Team McEwen had yet to make it to the Briar despite having all kinds of success in the Slams and on the World Curling Tour. Those days have to feel like a lifetime ago now considering you'll be competing in Briar number 8 this year in London. Yeah, it does for sure. Um, you know, I, we went through uh, with Mike there and Denny and Matt, we went through a lot of, you know, hardship just trying to just trying to get to the Briar, um, you know, and now have, haven't been able to go you know, eight, eight years in a row here is, uh, is pretty cool. It's special. Um, you know, not something that, you know, maybe I would have expected, but, but it's, uh, it's nice to, you know, to have been able to go here consistently. Um, you know, it's, it's the best events that we play in all year. Um, you know, and, and it's always, it's always a fun, great competition and, and, you know, it means a lot to be able to play for that tankard. You're now one of the veterans on Tour BJ and uh, one of the more respected thirds in the game. Can you walk me through the post-cycle transition period? Uh, how does that work for a guy at your level? Did you reach out to people last season or were you in a position where you could uh, choose between opportunities? Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think it was a little bit different this go-around um, just because like the full sale change of, you know, every single team that existed was pretty well changing in some form. Um, you know, the cycle before that, you know, there were lots of changes, but they maybe weren't as, uh, you know, they weren't across the board. Um, so the, this last cycle, you know, I just, for myself personally, there was probably a few more, you know, unknowns as well as, you know, a few more, options maybe that you know that I was looking at or exploring um so and and I mean it's definitely you know nerve-wracking I mean you go from you know having total job security I guess you could say to to you know not really not really knowing if you're gonna land in a spot that you really you know really want to be essentially um so it was uh yeah it was a it was nerve wracking, exciting. Um, you know, I was in contact with, you know, a, a handful of guys that felt I would be lucky. We'd be lucky to, to play for, and it'd be something I'd be excited about. And, um, you know, as it turned out, you know, Matt, Matt was definitely one of those guys and, and, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier with the way everything kind of shook out, you know, like me and Matt kind of had, had talked, you know, kind of the latter half of last year about, you know, being pretty interested in, in playing with one another. And then we kind of just committed to each other and, 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 you know, thought about who else we could get to kind of round out our foursome. And, you know, Colton's name came up, um, you know, he's obviously from Manitoba. Um, you know, I knew him a little bit. We grew up in, you know, pretty much the same town. Um, and, and Matt had played with him in juniors quite a bit. So, so that was, uh, you know, that was a bit of a, an easy decision. And then, you know, Ryan called, called me up and kind of was asking what what was up with 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 me and you know I said you know I think Matt and I are are starting a team and you know we'd love to have you if you're interested and and he was basically interested right away and and that's kind of how it 
how it came about. Um, you know, and then it's been just an amazing transition from from the start of this team coming together to, you know, playing playing some events, having some success early. And, um, you know, I, I, I like what we've built here going into the bar. Now, BJ, obviously you'd uh, known uh, Matt, Colton, and Ryan for years, but were you at all surprised at the way you gelled as a unit? I mean, you played 10 events this season so far, winning three times and only failing to qualify once. That's pretty good for a group of guys who are in their first year together. I mean, I had a pretty good idea of what I thought everybody was like, you know, but, uh, and, and, you know, I kind of was pretty confident that, you know, everybody is, you know, genuine on the ice as well as off the ice. And, um, you know, you, you kind of get a feel for how somebody is, but until you play with somebody and compete with somebody, you don't maybe really know the, the full picture of, of, you know, how the personalities are going to all jive and mix. Um, but kind of, I think with, with our team, you know, or, or what I had witnessed, you know, from the outside of, you know, Matt Colton and, and Ryan, basically how they are while competing against on the ice, off the ice is, is how they are to play with. Um, so three genuine guys, you know, working extremely hard to be the best at their craft, um, you know, and then I consider myself, you know, doing the same thing. And, and I just think that we all have a, a ton of respect for each other. Um, you know, I think it shows on the ice with how we communicate and, and, you know, how we bring, you know, maybe problems to the table, you know, if we're having any and, and how they get dealt with. So, yeah, I mean, you just, you never really know until you, you get out and compete as to how everything is gonna, you know, gonna jive and, and, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's been, it's been really good for us. It's been a pretty seamless transition and, you know, we're, we're, we're still growing as a team and still learning. Um, but everybody has that open mind and, and acceptance of, uh, you know, what it's going to take to, to get to where we want to be. Now, in the last cycle, your team was coached by John Dunn, who is a sports psychologist. And now you've moved to a team coached by Adam Kingsbury, who is also a sports psychologist. Uh, how did Adam help your team in that sometimes difficult transition of turning four individuals into a team? I, I mean, I've I've been exposed to Adam a little bit even before this team, you know, came about. Um, so, again, kind of another little bit of a seamless ad there as far as having Adam as a coach. Um, he's worked with Matt for, for a while now. Um, you know, he worked with, uh, with Ryan when he was working with team Jacobs. So again, we're, we're, there's definitely a familiarity there that, that definitely helped, you know, with him being on board and, and, you know, it's just, it's just good to have somebody, you know, outside of the four players to kind of observe, bring concerns to the table that, you know, that they might have or, or, you know, you kind of mediate maybe a, a difficult conversation amongst the team. You know, he just, he just kind of, he, you know, he's really good at checking in with us, seeing how we are, you know, on, on not just an athletic level, but a personal level, you know, and he's bringing some, you know, maybe some out of the box things that, you know, that we can do in our preparation and, and, um, you know, to kind of, you know, expand our minds and, in turn, help improve our, um, you know, our execution out on the ice. So, I mean, he, he, he's been great. Um, you know, he, we love having him around, you know, he's one of the, one of the guys and yeah, I mean, he just, he just does a lot. He does a lot yeah. for the team mentally. Yeah. Now, as someone who's played on teams with two of the better skips of the last 20 years in Kevin Cooey and Mike McCune, have you shared some tidbits of how they approach things with Matt Dunstone or have you preferred simply adjusting to the way he likes to do things? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to play with, you know, two great skips. Um, and I, I think you're always taking bits and pieces from from those great players and, and you know, instilling it in your own game. And then as well as, you know, bring it, bring some of maybe the philosophies or, you know, the, the idiosyncrasies that they might have that, that might help your current team. Um, you know, so I, I've definitely, and it, one of the first things that, you know, Matt, talked about like when we when we got this team together you know I mean he's very interested in you know how how my previous teams operated you know what worked what didn't work what would you like to bring to this team um you know maybe what what on a, what on your previous team did you maybe not like and and want to make sure you, you avoid and and stuff like that so I mean Matt is you know Matt's 
you know, very hungry and passionate, you know, to, to be as good as he can be. And, and, uh, you know, it's not lost on him that, you know, he wants to, you know, gain any sort of, you know, experience from, from guys that played with, you know, other guys previously, you know, I mean, Ryan played with Brad for a long time and, you know, Brad's, you know, one of the best skips ever as well. And, and just as a whole team, just wanting to bring all the good things to our team. Um, and then also be aware of any, you know, pitfalls we might've had on previous teams to just kind of, you know, make our, our, our team as, as bulletproof as, as possible. But, but yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been super fortunate to, to play with two great skips and, and uh, you know, I feel like I've, I've brought quite a few things from, from both of them into into my game and then also you know whatever team i'm playing on now your team was essentially guaranteed a spot at the briar regardless of whether or not you won the manitoba tankard did that take any pressure off of your team and allow you to play a little bit more freely at provincials it's it's hard to really say i mean i i I mean we really wanted to approach that event as a team as as this event is a must win um you know we didn't want to we didn't want the fact that we were going to be in the briar anyways to be any part of any conversation, you know, leading up to the provincials or during the provincials. Um, you know, it was really important to us that, you know, at the Briar we were representing Manitoba and, you know, not wildcard, you know, it, it's just winning a provincial championship, a purple heart, you know, is something very special. You don't get, you know, a ton of opportunities to do so. And, and especially in Manitoba, it's not it's not something that's given to you. You got to you got to work really, really hard to achieve it. Um, so our, our preparation before that event was, was we wanted to win this, um, you know, for many reasons. And, and I think it sets us up winning that event, I think sets us up, especially being a new team, um, to, um, bring some of that confidence and swagger, um, into the briar. Um, I think it's a little bit more difficult to, to gain that, you know, had we, had we not won that event, um, because we, we I, I think, I think all the all the feels were there before the final. You know, the, I think we were all pretty nervous, and and, and it just it just doesn't feel good to lose. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you have a fallback. Um, you know, it's just losing that losing that game is, you know, is one of the most difficult um, things that I've experienced in my curling career. Um, and you know, losing it, you know, whatever it was, five or six times. I think I've lost six times, six finals there. So. You know, you just when you, when you get in that position, you just you know how, how you know crappy it feels to lose. You just you don't want that. So we were um, we were very motivated to to win that event, and and uh, it, it was big for us to to pick that up. So I want to touch briefly on the provincial final for a moment, uh, BJ. Rarely in a big final like that can you be two points uh, down coming home and score three for the win. Now, I know that the five-rock rule seems to be giving teams that are behind late in games a better chance of coming back. That said, how confident were you in that final end against Reed Carruthers that you could score three points and win a provincial championship? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, number one, I think we were playing pretty good. Um, you know, Reed made a couple of really, really good last shots throughout that game to kind of, you know, stymie us a little bit. Um, so I, I think we, we thought we were playing good. Um, you know, when you get in those situations where you're two down with playing the last end, I mean, if, if, you, if you can make your first seven shots... It, it doesn't really matter what the other team does. You're probably going to have some sort of shot to win the game. You know, that's just the way it is now. And, you know, I know in, in previous games, you know, I'm playing with Kevin, we had, you know, we had a little bit of success being two down with, we, you know, we were able to, I think I know for sure we won more games two down with than, than tied without. So, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a boost confidence wise there that, you know, it can be done. Um, and, you know, the guy credit to, you know, Ryan and Colton, they, they set it up so perfectly, you know, where we were, we were going to have a chance as long as, as long as Matt and I could, could make our shots. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it, and when you're in the final like that, I mean, you just, it, it sure doesn't help to, to give up or feel sorry for yourself. So we just kind of met before the end started. I said, Hey, let's, Let's uh, let's make our first seven here and give Matt an opportunity to to win the game for us. And you know, fortunately, we got a pretty good break in that end, and and uh, you know, to make it real difficult on Reed. Um, 
and but then we and we made all our shots so so it's a great way to win and it's and you know going to the briar we can we can look back at that situation and 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 use it to you know help us and finally, BJ, a more of a granular question for you. As we are recording this interview, just before we were starting, actually, it was announced that they will be retexturing the rocks at the Scotties. As someone who's played in several national events uh, now, uh, what typically happens when they retexture the rocks like that? And, and how does it impact not only play the following day, but also the all-important practice session where you have to get used to the way the rocks have changed quickly before the draw to the button? Yeah, I mean you're you're almost most certainly going to get more curl, um, you know that's for sure. And and normally the with more curl the you know the draw weight's gonna is gonna come down a bit as well. So it's going to be a bit heavier. You're going to have more curl. You know the hits are gonna obviously have more curl, and it it's it's a tough situation. You know, I mean to be honest myself, I'm not a huge fan of of the you know the texturing of the rocks you know, midway through an event. I, I, I'd i love to see, you know, the onus being put on having more curl at the beginning and, you know, you know, maybe not extreme, but, but make sure your max curl is at the, at the beginning of the event, not, not midway through or, or near the end. Um, I know they, they, they textured the rocks late, the briar in the bubble. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's too late to do that. And it, and it, it really hurts the teams I think that are playing really well and have really, um, you know, adjusted to the ice conditions that were put forth from the beginning. And I think it, it helps the teams that are maybe struggling a bit, you know, um, just any sort of difference sometimes can, you know, can spark, spark a struggling team. Um, so, I mean, the, the differences are, it's going to be heavy. It's going to curl more. Um and I just think it's a it's a bit of a disadvantage for you know the better teams. They really have to adjust adjust well because um, you know it, it's the rock just isn't going to react the same way to the same delivery um, that that you had. So you, there, there's adjustments to be made there, um, and it can be it can be tough. I mean it's 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 like kind of golfing in the wind, right? Or not or golfing in no wind. You know you play the first nine holes and winds five kilometers an hour and then all of a sudden you get a cold front coming through and now it's you know 30 kilometers an hour you, you got to make adjustments and sometimes it's not easy to do so my second guest in this episode is Tyler Turdy, who is a young man who stepped in to the role left open by B.J. Newfeld on Team Cooey. Tardy had one of the better junior careers in curling history and is looking to take that next step and challenge Freebriar title so Tyler, I want to start by taking you back to the end of last season, and I'm wondering if you can walk me through the process that led you to joining Kevin Cooey as his new third. Yeah, a bit of a um, surprise, maybe for uh, getting the call from Kevin, but uh, a very welcomed one. Shortly after the uh, Briar, the uh, team kind of came together, and um, obviously, I'm very happy with that decision and. Yeah, it, it just came together quite quickly after the briar and uh, seemed to roll along since then. But, uh, yeah, very happy with the choice. Now, you let it be known, uh, Tyler, that you were interested in joining a team as a third if it was a good fit, or was the call from Kevin a complete surprise? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it was um, maybe the, from sparing with all the slam teams over the years with uh, Reed and Matt and uh, Jay. Um, I, I played Kevin and his team a couple times in the last quadrennial and we've had some good games against him. And I guess, uh, maybe that was appealing to him to, uh, see me having some good games and maybe he saw something, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, maybe that was it, but uh, not exactly sure. Now, obviously, you're a great young player, uh, Tyler, with an already impressive resume. Uh, but I'm wondering if you're feeling a little additional pressure joining forces with Kevin, knowing that he's had uh, people like Mark Kennedy, John Morris, and BJ Newfeld play third for him over the past few years. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think there's um, definitely when you're you're trying to get into the slams, and I've never been permanently on the slam circuit by any means, and. Uh, you know the expectations are are pretty high, but uh, clearly, if if they saw something in me, I, I knew that um, there wasn't really a whole lot to worry about. If I just perform and work hard, then uh, the rest will do itself. But 
No, I mean, uh, the guys definitely give you a lot of confidence with, with all their accomplishments in the past and uh, bringing some of that myself from juniors. I wasn't uh, overly worried, but uh, no, the expectations are high for me and it's it's equally high for them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, um feels like a, a, we're, we're starting to come together here after provincials, but uh, yeah, felt feels good. How long did it take you and Kevin to find your groove as a back end, uh, Tyler, uh, to learn the info that he likes to hear from his third and, and when he likes to get that info, as it tends to be different for just about every skip? Yeah, I think with any new team, um, there's definitely going to be challenges and maybe some disagreements. But uh, so far, it's been going pretty good. I wouldn't say we actually even have each other quite figured out yet, which I think is um, a good thing. Um, we're having a lot of success. And uh, we still got a lot to figure out. So that's uh, really exciting to, to think about and, and know that um, for the rest of the quadrennial, there's a lot to figure out and uh, to improve on. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. So Tyler, I know that you've played with some good front end players in the past, but tell me about throwing rocks with Bradley and Carrick sweeping. That's got to be fun. They're one of the better sweeping tandems of the past 25 years. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty spectacular what that uh, pair can do, and and they work so hard at it, and um, and that uh, definitely puts a bit of a spark in in myself to to see what it takes to to be an elite player and and teammate and sweeper, and uh, I, I think just being um, kind of teammates with them, I've become a better sweeper myself and they haven't even really given me a whole lot of tips to be honest, but, uh, just watching them, it's, it's so easy to pick up on it. And yeah, I mean, they've helped a lot of rocks, but, uh, it's also hindered it a little bit sometimes just because they're so strong and I've, uh, probably blown more line calls this year than I ever have just, uh, not used to the, the power that those two produce, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, pretty cool to be on the same team as them to, Maybe not be frustrated when they're holding a rock more than we can, but uh, no, it's it's fun. Now, your team was essentially guaranteed a spot at the Briar, regardless of whether or not you won the uh, Alberta Tankard, uh, Tyler. Did that take some pressure off your team and allow you to play a little looser and more freely at Provincials? Uh, yeah, I, I can't really speak for the other three, but um, I for sure felt like I was under maybe more pressure, actually. Um, just because it would have been my, well, it, it is my first briar and, um, I'm, I'm too stubborn to want to go to my first briar without a purple heart. So I kind of felt like if I wasn't getting a purple heart for my, my first briar, then a part of me would feel like I have a bit of an asterisk on my career and I, I definitely didn't want that, but, uh, that's just my stubbornness and, and, uh, if it's anyone's first Scotties or briar and it's, um without without a heart it's it's no disrespect it's just my my own stubbornness and and uh yeah i felt a, a lot of pressure to do well and and uh to bring it home and seeing the the uniforms leak them i'm uh very happy that we won and i'm, I'm very excited to represent alberta now it had to feel pretty sweet when the provincial final ended and you realized that you had qualified for your first briar especially considering you're one of the teams that will be among the favorites when you arrive in london yeah yeah it's uh Cool to be on a trophy with the likes of Kevin Martin and Kevin Cooey and Brendan Botcher, Randy Furby, and all the greats. And every uh, team that has won Alberta in the past has had a, a really good chance at uh, doing well at the Briar. So that's uh, definitely a good confidence booster going in. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, definitely uh, excited. So Tyler, it's no secret that your team is stacked with Briar experience. So what have Kevin, Bradley, and Carrick shared with you to help you prepare for your first Briar as a regular team member after being an alternate at the Briar inside the Calgary bubble? Yeah, and I, I know that uh, the Calgary bubble is so different than anything else I'll ever experience. So um, in my head, I, I always say that I haven't really been to a Briar just because of how that situation was. And and again, with my stubbornness, maybe... Um, I, I I just want to fully represent and not be a fifth to consider that I've been to Briar. So I always say that this is my my first Briar. But um, yeah, I I mean they they kind of know that um, I've had some experience in some big games. So I I don't think they've given me a whole lot of tips or anything. It's it's not a whole lot uh, different, I would think. But um, 
Yeah, I could be completely wrong, and and but uh, no, I, I think they're they're confident in me, and I'm confident in them, and they uh, obviously picked me to join or picked me to be on this team for uh, a good reason. That um, you know, I'm they're not they're not bringing me along to give me experience. They're picking me to to be winning these games, so um, that's all I really need to to have all the confidence I need going into the Briar, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think we just play our game. As mentioned, Tyler, your team will be one of the favorites heading into the buyer in London. What is it going to take for your team to live up to those expectations? Yeah, I mean, I think we just need to move on with our momentum from Provincials. Uh, all year, we've kind of not really had an event where um, all four of us kind of had a good event, if I'm being totally honest, but we've done well and made quite a few finals this year so that's reassuring that we can do well even when we're not feeling like we're playing in our best so uh yeah I, I think we're, we're slowly coming together or quickly coming together after provincial so that's that's nice if we can just have um one more event where we can uh figure it out and i'll have a really good event i think we're gonna do extremely well i i would hope and finally, Tyler, I'm just uh, curious to know if you've taken any grief from your uh, buddies in BC now that you will be repping Alberta at the Briar. Um, yeah, it's it's been funny. I've uh, gotten a little bit of a, a hard time that uh, I could never make it out of BC. So my uh, my way to get out of it was to to move to uh, the hardest uh, province to to get out of, to uh, based on the strength of field. So uh, yeah, it's it's been a good bit of banter, but. Uh, no, I'm excited. Our third guest in part one of the Briar preview is Tanner Horgan, who returned to Northern Ontario this season and qualified for the Briar with a team that mixes youth and experience. So, Tanner, you and I have not spoken yet this season, so let me take you back to the off season and ask you how your new lineup came together. Yeah, so um, I would say, I mean, as most teams do, um, you're kind of looking to, at the at the end of an Olympic cycle to kind of you're, you're kind of looking around at all your options and uh i guess a good place to start is usually um some of your friends <laughs> so uh darren and i actually go way back further than most people would, would realize um i met darren at the 2018 briar when i was fifth for brad jacobs and i got to know him there and darren's been um, somewhat of a mentor of, of mine and, and Jake's for the last uh, five or so years. And I got to know Colin really well at the, uh, at the Olympic trials last year. And over the last few years, I got to know Colin a little bit um, when I played out in Manitoba. So yeah, Darren and Colin are obviously, the, they've been friends for, for quite a while. And then uh, when I got to know both of them uh, kind of separately, it just made a lot of sense. Everyone's, uh, kind of in in their positions obviously Darren's uh been throwing third rocks forever now and I think it makes a lot of sense uh having him skip with all his ice reading ability and his experience so it just seemed to kind of uh, make the most sense too especially um since Colin actually lives in northern Ontario so we actually got to uh to form a team back home which was which was really really cool for us this year so Tanner, I know that you've had the opportunity to play with some experienced players in the past, but adding two players with as much experience as uh, Darren Molding and Colin Hodgson is always a good thing. Uh, having played with them for nearly a full season now, what have you learned about their approaches to the game and about how they work their way through a competitive season so that they can peak for the most important events of the season? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the big things we um, have leaned on them for, sorry, Jake and I have leaned on on the older guys for this year certainly is um, they, the older guys I find, and that goes for, for lots of different teams. They have, a, they're a little bit more content with who they are in terms of where they kind of stack up on um, with, with all their peers and stuff. They don't have anything to prove. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they might a little bit, but obviously like they, they both have um, impressive resumes. So where that kind of translates into is we didn't play this grueling schedule that a lot of teams are playing um, when they, when they first form their teams, they, they, you know, a lot of teams are playing like 12, 13 events before playdowns. We only played eight and we kind of, uh, we took a little bit more relaxed approach. So, and I think in the past, if I had taken that relaxed approach, I would have felt a lot more anxious going into playdowns. Like we're, um, we don't have the reps 
under our belts. We don't have the results to kind of go in with that um, confidence into playdowns. But these guys have a whole lifetime of, of accomplishments, so so it's it's a little different for them. And kind of leaning on them for for that mindset going into playdowns was big. Um, knowing that you know at any given moment that uh, that they can they can play their A game that and their A game is very very good. So uh, yeah, I would say that's that's kind of uh, a big thing we've leaned on them for this year. You just provided me with an excellent segue, uh, Tanner. Your season was good, but was certainly had some ups and downs. And from what you just said, I'm guessing that you and the team are not too worried with some of those results, as the main thing was to win provincials and make sure you were peaking by the time you got to the Briar. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, the start of the year was all shaky for us. Um, there was some time that we needed to take to kind of sort out some life things. Um, you know, it's a hard, it's hard to balance your life after, especially those two guys have been um, playing at the highest level of curling for, for so, so long. So part of our plan going into this season was to just take a little bit more relaxed approach, take some time away from uh, competing so much and, um, and then ramping it up later in the second half of the year. Um, if you look back at our season, we've definitely been trending in the right direction. We had a, couple of good tour bond spiels and then we we almost qualified at the the slam we went uh virtually 500 we had a, we had a really close game we almost qualified and then yeah and then we led into we had a we obviously came out on top at provincials so we're, we're kind of trending in the right direction so tanner your team took the uh scenic route if you will at provincials like uh, qualifying for the playoffs through the sea flight uh, where you had to defeat a team skipped by brad jacobs to advance to the playoffs I'm guessing you approach the sea qualifier with confidence, knowing that Brad Jacobs is obviously a player you have to respect, but that the team he had with him this year at Provincials certainly wasn't a team that he won the Olympics and uh, went deep with at the Briar several times, including winning it back in 2013. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Provincials was, was kind of interesting. Uh, we started off really, really hot. We, we came out and won our first game handedly, and then we got up in our second game by four. And then really it was just like a bad few ends against that team. And then we came out really, really flat in our next game. And it's kind of funny how curling works sometimes. Like in a span of 12 hours, you can find yourself from, you know, <laughs> winning a game in A to, to now being in the C event. So it was just kind of one of those things. Um, sometimes you just you just play a bad 12 hours of curling. Um, and, and other teams, you know, they, they played quite well. But I think our mindset was actually quite the opposite uh, going into that game. We were watching. We, we knew that when we won our first C game that we were going to have the loser of McEwen and Jacobs, and they're two of the two of the better teams in, in the field. And I remember our whole team was thinking, all right, if Brad drops to us now, we're very happy. We want to get this game out of the way. And they can, you know, send us on our way. And uh, we were actually hoping we get Brad early so we can just get that out of the way and, um, we're not, it's not this like looming thing over us. Cause obviously Brad, you know, he, do, he doesn't have the team with him, but he, he's won that, this event many, many times before. So, um, I think, I think we're actually looking, we're, we're actually happy once, once Brad dropped down into us. So Tanner, uh, tell me how it felt when that championship final ended and you realized that you had qualified for your first career Briar. Uh, it must've been satisfying to have achieved your main goal for the season, despite the ups and downs that occurred as you were growing as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Our our main goal going into the season was to uh, was to win provincials and get to the Briar. It's such an important event, and uh, especially for Jake and I, uh, you know, this is our first event, uh, our first Briar. Um, so to 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 win provincials and, and gain that experience is uh, is exactly where we wanted to be this season. Yeah. So, Tanner, what have Darren and Colin shared with you and Jake to help you prepare for what will essentially be your, your first briar, although you're aware of what it's like a little bit, having been there in 2018 as the alternate for Team Jacobs? Uh, I'm not only talking about the competitive aspect of the briar, but also all of the distractions that come with being at a national championship. Yeah, I think um, they've, they've certainly shared quite a bit with us, um, but I will have to say that the, the experience that Jake and I have had going to the juniors, uh, I've, I've been six times, Jake's been seven times. We're, we're not, uh, we're, we're familiar with, with wearing the green and gold and we're familiar with how um, a long week is, is supposed to go. Um, when I went to the Briars fifth with Jacobs, it was, it was a really, really valuable experience because I got to see all of those behind the scenes that you're talking about, uh, 
all the media engagements, the, the, the autograph signing session. There, there's just so much more to the Briar um, than the juniors. So I've kind of accumulated my own experience over the years, but uh, I'm sure once we get there and start feeling all these emotions, all the pressure and stuff like that, um, I'm sure then they'll be, uh, will be awesome to have there to, to lean on their experiences of actually having gone and, and, and performed really well at the Briar in the past. Now, you raise a good point, Tanner. I think we often lose sight of just how invaluable the experience is when a young player like yourself uh, attends several national junior championships, which, which gets you familiar with competing under the pressure of wearing the colors of your province or your territory, even if the level of play at a national juniors might not be what it is at a Briar. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've, I've always said, and this is what a sports cycle tell you too, like pressure is, is all just 100% what, what you put on yourself. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you get what you want to get out of curling and all the pressure that you feel is, is it's, you know, for the most part, it's, it's all what you make up in your head. So all those junior years, yeah, it felt like our briar. It felt like our, our big event each year to go and perform. And we put those pressures uh, on ourselves uh, all throughout juniors. So yeah, it, it's been, it's been a really good experience getting to go to all those juniors and preparing us for, uh, for the briar. Now, not only will you be playing with your brother Jake at uh, the first briar for both of you, but I'm sure you've been uh, kept uh, busy during the Scotties uh, watching your sister Tracy Fleury as she plays with uh, Team Homan. Uh, it must be fun, uh, Tanner, watching her having so much success this season in her first season with her new team. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really cool this year to see just the the progress in, in Tracy. She's uh, it's been it's been a lot of years of watching her on TV and watching her at these events and. It's kind of funny if you go way back. Holman was always um, one of those teams that was in the way <laughs> for, for her getting out of Ontario and being so close to them in Northern Ontario. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see uh, what it's like now. Um, now that I've gotten to, well, especially gotten to know some of the, the parents and uh, and players a little bit more inside the Holman camp. They're all so nice and they're all so uh, so passionate about about their team and curling in general. It's really interesting now to to be on the inside of it and get to get to see all that and, and, and cheer for them too. And um, so, yeah, it's been a great year. They've had a great season right now. They're sitting at, what is it? Uh, five and two. They just, they just won their last game. So they're into the playoffs now and uh, I'm sure I'll be watching a lot of curling this weekend as well. Speaking of siblings, uh, Tanner, uh, your brother Jake and sister Tracy recently qualified for the Canadian Mixed Doubles Championship that are being held in your hometown of Sudbury. So what's the deal, Tanner? Did uh, you lose a draw to the button with your brother Jake, or did you lose a game of rock, paper, scissors? Why is your sister Tracy uh, playing with your younger brother instead of playing with you? Well, uh, actually, Jake's the only one eligible now to play with her, so it's, uh, I think it's an easy, easy decision now. So you're telling me they don't allow imports in Mixed Doubles? No, they don't. Uh, so Tracy resides. We're, Tracy and I are kind of doing the same thing in, in doubles. Uh, Tracy is obviously playing out of a team out of Southern Ontario, but she's playing in Northern Ontario for the for the doubles. So the doubles is where you have to reside. So uh, so yeah, Jake and Jake and Tracy still reside in in Sudbury, and I'm living in uh, in Mississauga now with my girlfriend and. Um, my girlfriend Kira and I have uh, qualified for our, our mixed doubles provincials that we're, that we're playing this weekend. Uh, so maybe, maybe we can win ours and, and see them there. <laughs> and finally, Tanner, the goal of most teams like yours at the Briar is to play well early in the week and make a run at the playoffs where anything can happen. What will it take for your team next week in London to achieve that, to, to get off to a good start and position yourself for a run at the playoffs? Because... It's possible to make a run at the playoffs after a rough start. I mean, we saw Team Skirlik of Alberta do that at the Scotties, but that's not always easy to do. Yeah, I think uh, looking ahead at our schedule especially, it's going to be very important for us to start off um, really, really strong. In our first two games, we have uh, Reed Carruthers and Kevin Cooey. So um, obviously we're, we're going we're gonna to really need to be strong in those two games. Those are two of the teams that are going to be um, eyeing a playoff spot at the end of the week, at least to, to get out of our pool. So if we can come out of uh, the opening weekend somewhere, or at least those two games, one and one or, or two and no would be would be the goal. Oh and two, definitely like you're saying, it's a lot harder to uh, to claw your way back. Obviously, Skrillex, uh, they got another game left, and they, they've had a really, really solid uh, week after they got their feet underneath them. But uh, yeah, it, for us to, to come out and perform in those games, it's going to it's gonna really take us getting onto the ice quickly, 
at least better than the other team in the first two games. My final guest on this episode is Nathan Young of Newfoundland and Labrador. Young and his teammates are headed to their second consecutive briar, and although they struggled last season, Young and his team view the briar as an opportunity to learn and grow as a team as the heir is apparent to Team Gushu in Newfoundland and Labrador. So Nathan, I want to start by taking you back to last year's briar. You won your first ever briar game, uh, the first game you've ever played at a briar, before things got more difficult for you. Uh, we'll discuss that in a moment, but first I want to ask you how it felt to be be such a young team at the Briar and coming out and winning your first game? Well, first, you know, we arrive at the Briar and uh, we're walking around the hotel to start and all of our curling idols are walking around too. It was a surreal experience and, and um, you know, thankfully we had the pre-event practice where we could at least get out on the ice and, and experience what it feels like to be, you know, playing on Briar ice in, an, in a stadium, in an arena. And so, uh, that helped prepare us a bit for the first game, but look, there were a lot of nerves in that first game as there were in every game thereafter. And, uh, and, you know, it was, it just so happened to be a win that that was a bonus for us, but um, I was, it just felt so good to be out, uh, out there in, in front of fans. Uh, so yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Now, after that first game last year, uh, the Briar got real in a hurry for your team and you, uh, how did you and your team, Process the week, Nathan, so that you could take some positives out of the experience, even if the scoreboard wasn't kind to you after that first game. Yeah, well, I think it all a lot of it comes down to preparation going into the event. You know, would our team like to win the Briar someday? Absolutely. Were we ex- realistically expecting to win the Briar la- last year? Like, absolutely not. So we had prepared for, for the Briar going into it, like realizing the situation, um, you know, acknowledging the fact that these are the teams that we're playing against. Uh, and so every single game was all about uh, learning experiences and mini goals. You know, we had a, a sub competition kind of in our own, w- within ourselves, within our own team of just like, okay, take it. We're taking it one end, one shot at a time. We're just trying to force, you know, when we don't have hammer and, and try our best to score two with hammer. And at the end of the day, that's every single curling game, but, so yeah, we just took we had a bunch of mini goals throughout the week that we would focus on and and uh try to learn as much as we could, wholly um be able to take it uh into future briars and um luckily we're we managed to get back again this year. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh to uh, building on that experience from last year. And Nathan, what were some of the things that you learned as a young skip from sharing the house last uh, last year at the Briar with the likes of Kevin Cooey and Brendan Botcher, Glenn Howard, and Matt Dunstone, among others? For sure. And, you know, one of the nice things about, you know, being in the house is not only you get to kind of observe the other team's thought process and, and how they interact, but you can literally watch every single delivery uh, that's coming at you. When you have the best curlers in the world sliding down the ice, uh, it, it's very, uh, it's really fun to watch. Uh, fun to watch on tv but it's even funner to watch when it's coming at you unfortunately i guess for us they make uh you know 90 percent of their shots so our shots are pretty tough but no it was great like to see their intensity on the ice to see um you know how how frankly how intense they are but how relaxed they are at the same time you know and that helps because they've been and, and won so many briars but um it was great to us because we we could see firsthand this is where we need to be in order to have a chance at, at winning this briar. And so, um, no, it was great to, to play against them. I don't know whether or not you've uh, reflected on this, uh, Nathan, but how did the experience at your first briar make you a better player? We've been curling for a long time. We've grown up watching the briar, and uh, it's really the you know one of the pinnacles of, of our sport. And so it was just so special to be able to to actually play in one at a really kind of such a young age, we didn't necessarily expect it to happen so soon. It was always a long time goal, but so I think it, it taught us many things. First of all, look, keep working hard um, because you know, this, these are the kind of things that, that can happen. You keep working hard to keep putting in the practice. Then one day you, you know, you end up at the briar. Hopefully you, that keeps up and one day you end up winning the briar, you know? Um, but also it's, you know, and this is a bit of the cliche, but it's it's a, it's a journey, right? Like it's it's one step at a time. Someone said, um, uh, someone at the club said to me a few weeks ago, like uh, something about wins at the Briar, and I said, look, I said if we can win one more game every year for the next ten years, we should win the Briar in ten years, right? 
And uh, so I think it's it's kind of taking the, these mini mini goals, mini steps, one game, one shot, one year at a time. And uh, and I and we're that's kind of how we're approaching this. And uh, yeah, it's just it's great. All right, Nathan, let's jump ahead to this year's Provincials where your team qualified first, meaning that you did not play for 24 hours between the end of the round robin at Provincials and the championship game. How did you and the team go about processing those 24-plus hours to still remain focused on the task at hand without overthinking it and getting nervous? Honest with you, I think that we liked that break a lot. Um, if, if for you know, Physically, it was a break for us, especially the sweepers. We're pretty hard on our sweepers, Frank. Um, and it was a, me- a good mental break to just, you know, uh, spend some time at home, away from the club, doing other things like doing school, going to the gym. It's all a break uh, from each other. So it, it all works out. And we did get a practice in between there. So we were staying loose. But one thing that, um, you know, I'm really proud about our team is that, uh, you know, we had 24 hours off. Like we didn't think for a second this was going to, uh, impact our ability to curl right like that's just uh that's kind of foolish and so um you know we we just took it as an opportunity to relax and prepare and we were feeling nervous but when you're feeling nervous it's because you want it it's because you're in a position that you have worked so hard to be in and so it's not a negative thing it's totally positive and you just have to think about it like that now, I've been told by many players that the first provincial title is the one that you never forget. However, uh, I'm curious, Nathan, to know how satisfying it was for you to come back and defend that title and show that you really belong. Because some people could have said, well, they went there last year, they had a good week, and then if you've never followed it up, then you're like a one-hit wonder. So I'm wondering how satisfying it was for your team to come back and win the provincial title for a second consecutive year. For sure. Last year... No doubt about it, we knew we would be a competitive team. But to be honest with you, our focus was more on, you know, the junior provincials and the, the under-21 nationals. And we entered the men's provincial uh, knowing that we would be a competitive team, obviously, and knowing that we'd have a chance, but not really ever thinking ahead to the prior possibility. So when we won, it was just surreal and, and amazing, and, and it was just a huge bonus for our season. This year, however... We wanted it. We wanted to, to make it back to the Briar, and um, and so it it was a, a, it felt great to win, but it was a different feeling. It was a feeling of more like wow, you know, we we wanted this. This was one of our goals this season. We worked as hard as we could to to achieve it, and we actually achieved it. And so it was really in, inspiring moment for us because we it was it was evidence again that we can do what we put our minds to do. And uh, obviously we're going back to the briar. Like it's amazing. So yeah, a little bit different, but similar feelings. So I was looking at your schedule for the briar in London, Nathan, and you face a pretty tough uh, early schedule. Uh, how is your team approaching this year's briar? Are you uh, playing one game at a time? Like most people like uh, to say that they do when they get to a briar or a Scotties, or are you using the quote unquote mini goals approach that uh, you were mentioning earlier that you used last season at the briar to, uh, to identify small things, small victories within games to help you uh, in case you struggle and in case your record is not what you'd like it to be. Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely something you can do before an event to kind of budget your win-losses, what you think you need to do, and that can provide some comfort. But we're, we, we're taking this one game at a time. And Frank, you mentioned that uh, you, you've looked at our schedule. Uh, we put our schedule together, but to be honest with you, I don't know uh, who we're playing and when we're playing them. Um, and that's normally how personally I like to I like to keep it when we play events. So for us, it's one game at a time, and you know a draw to the button is the same no matter what team you're playing. Um, and so it'll it's really a mental test that to we find to just focus on the uh, the basic elements of of the the fundamental elements of the game, regardless of the team that you're playing. And you know we um, it's something that we want to work on that that aspect of it. Um, and so it's it's always great to be to be playing in a briar against these top teams. And we actually find that our when we play the you know these uh, more experienced teams, that our game level tends to rise. Now last year I, it was the first experience at the briar. We were pretty nervous. I know uh, my mom said you got to you know try to be more relaxed. Like you got to smile more. And and normally we're very relaxed on the ice. But I think uh, so. I think this year we will be. And uh, we know a bit more what to expect. And so, uh, yeah, I think it'll be uh, a really, a really great briar. 
And finally, Nathan, uh, the elephant in a room is that getting to the briar will be easier for you and other Newfoundland and Labrador teams as long as Team Gushu wins the event and returns as Team Canada. How closely did you pay attention to them last year at the briar, hoping they might win the briar so that you would not have to play them at Provincials this year? No, I mean, look, like, Frank, you're, you're, you're right on all accounts there. Like, obviously, uh, we are always cheering for Team Guju, and we, we love to see them succeed for them and, and for the province and for our curling community, but also because it's proof to us that if that we can do it too. You know, we we know that the the work ethic that they put in, and, and it's, look, uh, it's inspiring to us to see those guys uh, do what they do. However, um, at the same time, um, look, Team Guju is on a different level than our team is at the moment. There's no question about it. And uh, so to have them out of the provincials uh, definitely uh, increases everyone's chances here of, of making it to the Briar. So there was, um, it was so good on, on many fronts when Team Guju won the Briar last year. And, uh, and uh, luckily, we were able to kind of capitalize. These... these um, well, these opportunities, they actually happen more than more often than not, it seems, over the past five or six years with Team Guju's performance at the Briar. But uh, you never know when uh, when you get these kind of opportunities. So it's good that we can uh, kind of capitalize when we can. And that does it for part one of the Briar Preview. A huge thank you to BJ Newfeld, Tyler Tardy, Tanner Horgan, and Nathan Young for joining me. Keep your eyes open for part two of the Briar Preview coming soon with guests Brad Gushu, Mike McEwen, Mark Kennedy, Jacques Gautze, and J.D. Lind. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our partners and friends in the Curling Podcast Network. The Two Girls in the Game Podcast, the Rock Logic Podcast, and the Curling Legends Podcast. I'm Frank Rock, and you're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership.